0: Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. It's Jake. Um, I'm very, very excited because starting today, the format of the podcast is going to be changing ever so slightly, but in a way that I think is going to be better for you and definitely better for me. Um, We basically just felt like as much as as fun as the interviews are and as much as like it's so fun to talk to these different guests about going out and stuff. There not really an avenue for me to kind of talk about what's going on in my life my going out on my my sort of like current events and so to change that we decided why don't we instead of these awkward little intros that i've been doing at the top of every episode for the past however many episodes we thought why don't we start these episodes off with me chatting with katie our producer who over the process of us making the show has also become my friend um so starting with these episodes starting with this episode Instead of doing little intros, we're just going to start off with some weekly banter between me and Katie, just kind of catching up, talking about our weeks, talking about what's going on, where we've been going, what we've been doing. So please welcome to the show our new permanent fixture, intro producer, Katie Brown.
1: Hey, guys. (laughs) I'm like kind of honored that you called me your friends. Um, We're friends. We text. More than just a producer, I'm a friend. (laughs) Love that.
0: Did you have any inkling when we started making this show that you would end up becoming the co-host of the intros?
1: Um, I didn't. I didn't. I um. <laughs> I don't like the way that my own voice sounds. So I'm definitely going to skip through the intros when I listen. now. Um, but that's fine. That's, that's
0: OK. I think you have a lovely voice. Thank you. Thank
1: you. I um. I do some of the the TikTok videos with our social media producer and whenever she sends them to me when they're done, I'm like, yeah, you could. I trust you. I'm, I'm not going to listen to that.
0: <laughs> yeah. As like someone who. As a gay man, I think there's so much trauma from hearing your own voice when you're, like, a teenager that you really have to get over. Like, that embarrassment is, like, fully cauterized to the point of, like, having no like, I don't like the sound of my own voice. I'm like, I that those nerve endings have died. I like can't, I don't really react to hearing the sound of my own voice anymore.
1: You're numb to it now.
0: Yeah. I remember one time I like I somehow, I remember one time in middle school I heard I somehow heard a voicemail I left my mom and I started crying. I was like fourteen years old and I was like, that's what I like. like. Now I'm over it.
1: I think my trauma comes from um when I was younger, I I used to do like this thing where I would I would, um, do you remember Photo Booth on the old MacBooks? Uh, do they still have that? Yes,
0: I remember Photo Booth.
1: Okay, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would I would record myself singing on those in middle school and then like listen to them back. And I think the trauma really comes from like realizing like after I would listen to them back, like how my actual singing voice sounded <laughs> versus like how I thought it sounded in my head. Um yeah so I think I like have not really fully gone over that.
0: You recorded videos of yourself singing songs on photo booth. Oh yeah That's when I devastating. was like when I
1: was like 11. Yeah, it's, it it was devastating. Photo
0: booth was I remember like cuz I I feel like our age difference when you were growing up did everyone have a Mac? Yeah. Yeah, so I like when when I was younger it was like the cool kids had Macs, the rich kids had Macs. But like <laughs> and then like everyone else had like PCs. And it was like it was such a status symbol to be able to post on social media like a photo booth selfie like you and your friend were over at the house and you just did a bunch of different photo booths. And then you just like uploaded all of that to MySpace. like and just being like, wow, I don't have the access to that. Like I just there was such social power to having Mac photo booth access that I think like maybe you took for granted.
1: I think I did (laughs) to me to, to me like a non Mac computer was all about solitaire. Like, if you were on a non-Mac computer, you were just going to be playing solitaire.
0: Wait, but what about Minesweeper? Oh, that too. Minesweeper fucks, and no one talks about Mine I was obsessed with Minesweeper. In high school, I played so much fucking Minesweeper. <laughs> on hard, like on the big square. I wasn't really? messing around.
1: Wow. I don't think I I don't think I ever knew how to play it, so I would just like click random buttons and sometimes <laughs> it would work and sometimes it wouldn't.
0: Wait, I'm gonna actually see if Minesweeper's on my phone. That's gonna be my new subway game. Oh, that's for a good sure. Idea. Wait, it's definitely for, for phones. Okay, I'm gonna do that. They have it on phones. Wait, did you go out this weekend? Or wait, what day of the week is it? Is it Thursday?
1: It's Wednesday.
0: No, it's, no, it's, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. It's
1: Thursday. Okay, Gorge. It's did you Thursday. wait,
0: have you been going have you been going out? What's going on?
1: Yeah, so Actually, last night I was invited to this Japanese tea ceremony from um, this sochu brand or shochu okay. brand called Ichiko, which okay. is like, I learned this last night that it's actually the most popular spirit in Japan, like more popular than whiskey. Is it like, the, soju,
0: like soju, like S O J No, it's
1: S-O-C-H-U. Oh, okay. And it's like, they're vodka kind of. It's made with barley and oh. it's like a clear spirit. Usually twenty five percent ABV, so it's like way lower than like most spirits. That. Anyway, it was so good. They invited us to this like Japanese tea ceremony, and then gave us these really cool cocktails. Um, and so I was out doing that, and then it was in Chinatown. So after that, I just got like really greasy dim sum um, with some of my friends, I and love that. it was really lovely. Actually, the the we had a really funny we had this really funny experience with the waitress at this at, at this, the dim sum place. Yes, because we were like. We definitely, we'd smoked a little weed before um, we got there and we're like ordering, like the, we're ordering and we're ordering and we're ordering. And finally the waitress is like, enough. Uh-huh. And, we were, <laughs> and we were like, what? And she was like, that's too much food. You guys aren't going to be able to eat it all. And like walks away, takes our menus and walks away and we're like did she just call us fat? Like That was so crazy. But then the food started coming and we were like, she was so right. Like you fucked up. She was so right. This woman was just trying to help. Like.
0: Um. When I worked at Rosemary's, there was like, I think cause it was like somewhat close to NYU. Every once in a while, like some people would come in and I like with just the driest eyes I'd ever seen in my <laughs> life. And it was just so clear that like, they all had ripped bong. And yeah. they were like, let's go eat so much pasta. Yeah. And it was just like insane. And like watching them try to order was was like painful yeah it was like like looking at the menu and like not even able to figure out like where the food was on it it was so <laughs> funny
1: we just didn't know like how to stop i think no we absolutely like calling out more things like oh and the noodles how good does that sound
0: well, like? if you're at a place i said did we talk about this on this podcast i might have been on a different podcast when i said this but like restaurants like that where everything is like nine dollars in my mind that's all free and so i'm like oh yeah order that order that order that and then it's like the bill comes I've, there's more food than a human could eat and it's also like it is 200 dollars yeah. because it's like but, like, anything under $10 is free to me at a restaurant, and yeah. that doesn't actually work.
1: 100%. Especially when it's cash only, and then you no. leave, and you're
0: like... No. Yeah, that's really tough.
1: Yeah. You're like, I didn't spend any money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> cash is not money. I feel yeah. the same way. Nate and I went to Walters. I'm boring.
1: Wait, last night? No,
0: we went to Walters on t- Tuesday. Yeah, we went to Walters on Tuesday. Um, And I didn't get the chicken, because they've added a lobster roll. And it was one of the best lobster rolls I've had in the city. Really, it was phenomenal.
1: You went to Walter's and didn't get the chicken.
0: Yeah, I'm sort of in a new era. I don't know you (laughs) (laughs) anymore. Wait, but also, I have to say, I'm having a big moment, and I've always had this, but this summer, this this summer, and is going to be the big one for me, and it's been hitting me really hard. Mister Softy is has me by the fucking neck. Okay, I'm getting it. If I'm seeing it, I'm getting it, and it's like every time. Like after Walters, we didn't get dessert at Walters because there was a Mister Softie across the street, and it was like, yeah, that's the move.
1: It like passes my apartment on its route every day. Do you? And I hear it, <sighs> and I'm kind of like, it's like this weird thing where I'm like in my apartment. And I'm like, I can't, I can't just like run out like a child to this. I, I like, think you
0: can. Yeah, hundred percent. What's your order?
1: Maybe I should. I like, um, I like just like a normal swirl, like a chocolate vanilla swirl cone.
0: No sprinkles
1: no sprinkles but if yeah. they if they have the like um sh- like dip you know like the oh, chocolate oh you do dip I would do that yeah
0: interesting but like i'm not from
1: new york like i i grew up on like dairy queen so like they would always do the dip
0: Oh, dips dip are more cone. natural. The dips are incredibly foreign to me. I don't trust them. You don't trust them. I guess I just like have, I understand that clearly it's safe because they've been doing it for like at, what, at this point, like what centuries, but I'm like, how is the cone getting fully inverted and the ice cream staying inside of it? I don't understand it. And the idea of them having to do that gives me too much anxiety to ever order the, the like dip. Like
1: you're worried that the ice cream is going to fall out of, off of I it. I mean,
0: science would say it's going to fall out. Yeah. When you have soft serve in your hand, do you? Do you feel like I could confidently invert this and uninvert it, and there would still be ice cream in this cone? That's not the feeling I when
1: have. When you're at da- at Dairy Queen, though, the laws of gravity like completely stop. Because think about the blizzard.
0: No, I understand Dairy Queen. <laughs> I understand Dairy Queen, but like, it's not Dairy Queen. It's Mr. Softy. I would That's get the fair. dip at Dairy Queen, but also at Dairy Queen. <laughs> Dairy Queen to me is like ice cream for astronauts. That's true.
1: No. Wait. It's, did you have the dairy That's Dippin' that can- Dots. That's Dippin' Dots. That's for astronauts.
0: When I was a kid, wait. One time when I was a kid, like, do you remember when they really started first pushing and Dots in like the early two thousands, they would be like at, the vending machines would be like at every movie theater and everything. And I remember one time being in like the <laughs> lobby of a movie theater, and some kid was like, "Mom, I want Dippin' Dots. It's the ice cream of the future." And some other dad goes, "Yeah, because in the future, ice cream's gonna suck." <laughs>
1: That dad was having such a bad day. I mean, also,
0: Dippin' Dots, like, isn't good. <laughs> Do you like and Dots? No. It sucks, but no, but I've never done the dip. I'm a hardcore sprinkle guy. Yeah. Twist with chocolate sprinkles. Chocolate sprinkles,
1: time. not rainbow.
0: Yeah, chocolate every time. I just, the they're, I love chocolate sprinkles.
1: Huh. To me, to me sprinkles don't taste like anything.
0: <clears throat> the rainbow ones don't, but chocolate sprinkles taste like chocolate. That's, like, I think the number one vote for chocolate sprinkles. Mm,
1: to me, they all taste like kind of like crunchy wax, which is, like, I sometimes think that tastes good, but No, I know not. what you're saying, <laughs> but
0: I do think if you were to eat a spoonful of chocolate drinkers on your own, you'd be like, oh wait, no, these are chocolate. You
1: could you could tell that they were chocolate. Okay. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna have to
1: take you I'm gonna have to order that next time I'm going to a Mr. Softie because now I'm like now I'm, I, you you kind of like created this new anxiety within me that like
0: No, but if dip, you like the dip, dip <laughs> at the dip. Do you do the strawberry dip or the chocolate dip? The
1: chocolate always. Okay. I think people that get strawberry ice cream like have something deeply, deeply wrong.
0: Wait, I do it's like sad. strawberry ice cream.
1: I'm so sorry.
0: Are Wait, you, are you okay? I'm fine. Who hurt you? <laughs> no, but do you have you tasted it? It's good.
1: Yeah, but like it's fruit. Like I don't know. I feel like that's <laughs> not what I want in my ice cream.
0: Do you like strawberry shortcake? Like the dessert? Yeah. Okay, I do good. Because like I, I recently, like I, like I strawberry shortcake. I think to me is like a top five. You're
1: like the dessert, not like the the kids like toy
0: <laughs> or like the kids pastry or like the flavor, like, yeah, like yeah, I've yeah. Had strawberry shortcake flavor ice cream. No, but um. <laughs> I no I I strawberry ice cream I don't understand the stigma around it but there is stigma around it.
1: Yeah. I think it's because like between chocolate vanilla and strawberry one is just clearly the worst.
0: <laughs> and it's strawberry. But they make Neapolitan. Like, I just think it's so interesting that the human proclivity to like look at a a tub of Neapolitan and be like, I have to compare, contrast and rank these when it's like the whole point is that you eat the three of them together. Like the joy of this flavor is supposed to be the union of these three flavors. It's something in our human desires is like (laughs) segregate these, compare and then isolate one that you fucking hate. It's not just you, Katie. It's everyone. I feel like I'm dragging Katie right now, but it's, no, like, people do this.
1: I just like that he's getting really deep. He's, like, participation trophies, okay, for these, for these ice cream flavors.
0: <laughs> no, it's because I worked at Ben & Jerry's, so I think I worked at Ben & Jerry's for two years in high school, and so I got really heady about ice cream. We started to, like, ascribe personality traits to the kind of people who got ice creams. Okay, and it wait.
1: Was, What's the most, like, What what is, like...
0: Oh, if you got cookie dough, you are conformist swine. We were literally, like, okay, what another innovator getting fucking cookie dough? Like, literally, drag cookie dough. <laughs> Um, that was like the big one.
1: Okay, my my I, my ice cream hot take is that butter pecan is really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, that just means you're ninety two. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I'm hundred years old. But, but, but it's butter really pecan good. is
0: no. But butter the thing is butter pecan is really good. Yeah, it's undeniably good.
1: It's like yeah, it reminds me kind of of like those old people candies, like the little strawberry ones, like. There's something, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, with the
0: jelly inside? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Where it's like, yeah, they're for old people, but that doesn't mean they're not good.
0: I know those and like the the butterscotch candies. I mean, those are good. too. Those
1: are just so good.
0: Um, the whenever I think about like ice cream flavors at Ben and Jerry's, I promise we'll interview the introduce the interview in a second. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like when I worked at Ben and Jerry's, there was this period of time. I think it was like during it was one of the Olympics was happening while I worked there. Like maybe the. Olympics that were in Italy. I don't really remember, but Hannah Teeter was like a Olympic snowboarder who was from Vermont, and because Vermont has only like six hundred thousand people, when any when anytime anyone from Vermont does like something remotely interesting, the entire state's like, yes, like <laughs> we must stand behind, especially like winter sports stuff. And so they Ben and Jerry's announced that Hannah Teeter had an ice cream flavor come out called was coming out called Hannah Teeter's Maple Blondie, and it was like a maple blondie ice cream. Everyone loses their goddamn mind. Jerry's announces this flavor like three months before they start stocking it in stores, which means people start coming in immediately demanding it. And then I'm not joking, screaming at us that we didn't have it. People were <laughs> calling every day being like, do you have Hannah Teeter's Maple Blondie yet? And we would be like, no. And they're like, then why is it being advertised? And I was, like, I was like, I'm 16. Like, I have no say on the corporate level. Like this, please leave me alone. These people would torture us like people get so intense about ice cream because they feel like it's a treat and like when you are living like day-to-day and like a life that is like not totally fulfilling like there's so much like pressure on your like one six dollar ice cream treat at the end of the day that like if anything goes wrong with it they're like i'll kill this minor for it like i'll kill this person for it and it's like so fucking intense and i just like this minor i just remember yelling one time in the middle of i (laughs) I remember my best friend, David, and I worked together and I yelled, I I hung up with a customer on the phone and I went, I fucking hate Hannah Teeter. And he was like, it's not her fault either. Like she didn't do this. Like, um, but it was, I was a really dark time. Um, and then I hated that. Also then that flavor came out and it was bad.
1: I mean, it doesn't sound good.
0: The problem (laughs) is it tasted like fake maple. It was like really sweet fake maple. Mm which is i feel like sacrilege to most vermonters. so i think all these people who i think it was karmic punishment for them torturing teenagers for this fucking ice cream flavor.
1: They went too hard with the vermont thing on it.
0: Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we so this is we're going to be doing this at the beginning of every episode now. I'm very excited. We'll be talking going out current events, honestly whatever we want. It's going to be really loose cuz like i said Katie and I are just friends. Um now for the interview um this week's episode is with another new friend of mine whose um, cookbook, Cook You Want to Be, out May 24th. Um, you may know him from Bon Appetit from Instagram. His recipes are iconic and delicious. He's also so, so sweet. Um, I also got sent the cookbook early, and I've been looking through it. I literally got it this morning, so I haven't cooked anything out of it, but I'm going to because it, the recipes are look so good. And the, the book is, like, truly stunning. So pre-order it now. If it's after the 24th, just go order it simply. Um, support your local bookstores, but please enjoy me going out with Andy Barragani. Thank you very much for doing the show. I'm very excited to talk. I feel like I'm to like some of my
2: besties and people that I also just love and don't know, but very excited.
0: Yeah, I feel like yeah, a lot of people have been telling me to get you on the show and I was like, Yeah, of course and then <laughs> luckily Coursey Pelosi, Pelosi made it happen. Oh yes. He really does. God bless him. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you because I've been a fan of yours for years. I've made your recipes. I've watched your videos. I've liked your Instagrams. But I don't know like all that much about you, like your how you got to where I met you on the internet, like your path in the restaurant industry, your path in the food industry, and then also your relation to it, like as a person, which is truly the premise of this show. So that's what we're going to talk about.
2: <laughs> so we're basically going to talk about all the things, my life story, all the struggles, ups and downs.
0: Yeah. So where were you born? Let's start with your astrology. You know I'm um, <laughs> I'm
2: a sads through and through.
0: Nice. Oh, I love that. Cool. Um, where, so, I guess the the way I usually start the show is by asking the very uncomfortably broad question of what does going out mean to you?
2: Oh my God. Should I answer that right now? Yeah, let's go. Okay. So I would say it has evolved from, let's say, when I was well, obviously a teenager to when I was in my early twenties to late twenties to now I'm in my early thirties. Um, it has evolved. That. In, say that again?
0: nothing wrong with that Nothing
2: wrong with that nothing wrong i feel better i saw company
0: on broadway last night and the whole premise of the show is that she's 35 and like on the cusp of death and i was like we need to chill
2: (laughs) no this is that needs to be written very quickly um i would say that well i think before going out just meant i it was so easy it was so casual it was um i feel like going out i could just message my friends and i would be like around five, 10 people we'd like, all these people, not that I was ever like in a kind of group, but I just would able to kind of, it was very easy to go out, I feel like in your early 20s. Now, I mean, obviously with COVID too, but just like, I feel like now I'm scheduling things and it's like sending calendar invites or I'm receiving calendar invites, but going out at the end of the day, through and through, from even back then till now is me having really good people around me, whether that's one person, two people, uh, a small intimate group, uh, yeah. and just have a lot of good food. It doesn't need to be one big meal. It could be a lot of different snacks. Ideally, drinks are involved, usually the case. Um, I'd say it's gotten more tame. It's gone to the more of like the 8.30 to 11.30 mark rather than the like t- 11.30 to the or in the morning mark, which, you know, I definitely, I think uh, – my friend Dan maybe i don't know if he said this in the email he's like oh he knows about going out i used to definitely go out but i've got yeah. calmed down
0: <laughs> <laughs> at some point you have to to keep it going you know yes. what i mean yes um and then did you so did you come up in the food world via the restaurant industry like what was your path to working in food
2: it was it was uh, definitely through the restaurant industry you know i I'm very lucky to have been born. I was born in California in the Bay Area, East Bay Pride. Um, and there's just so much good restaurants and I have such a rich restaurant history there and some of the most incredible produce yeah. in the country, if not the world, comes from there. So I was surrounded by just a lot of that growing up. Uh, but that combined with the fact that my parents, uh, I'm first generation American, my parents came Uh, to the States uh, from Iran in the late 70s, uh, just before the revolution. So it was having these kind of access to this restaurant, these markets, but then also eating Iranian food pretty much every single day. Yeah. Um, And that food is so incredible. Um, Unfortunately, it still not, hasn't been like, it's harder for it to translate like restaurants, that kind of food, but I think it's becoming... You know more and more popular why,
0: why is that do you know what like do you can you explain why
2: yeah i think i think persian food uh iranian food is it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of prep work um and you can't really rush it so dishes are you know they take two three four hours to just cook and then the prep involved is just um can take a lot of time as well. So it doesn't necessarily work the kind of the slow stews and the elaborate rice dishes. Uh, that's why a lot of the Iranian restaurants you tend to see they're more of like kebab houses, which really just yeah. like scratches the surface of Iranian food.
0: That makes sense. I that I feel like that offers insight. I feel like part of your persona when you were like in Bon Appetit was like the person who was very comfortable with a very long recipe that had a lot of steps or like yeah. was willing to have things. And it makes sense if like culturally that's just like innate to the food you grew up eating and cooking.
2: Yes. I think like when I first joined uh, BA, that was definitely something I kind of had to grapple with because it wasn't so much the Iranian food. It was more like working at restaurants. And uh, I started working at Chez Panisse in California uh, and then had different stints uh, in Paris, in um, in New York, where I came, didn't go to culinary school, just worked in restaurants. I went to NYU yeah. for school. Um, and I kind of just worked my way up in restaurants. And that's really how I got my education. But I always was obsessed with food. It started very, very early. I feel like my family has a lot of photos of me with my kind of play kitchen at like a yeah. year old um but when you were at
0: nyu did you know like food is where you were going to go at, into after oh
2: i was leaving class early to go work at restaurants i was like
0: okay. oh, what, what were your restaurants did you work at
2: uh i was working at Frey, which became Aska, uh which is still around yeah. um incredible red uh, uh a restaurant from frederick brasilia's uh which has just become like very like Mission Star now in Fancy. Um, and yeah. Estella, I was at Estella on, no way. Uh, on Houston uh, when it first opened. So really, you know, this is, we're talking about, I mean, seven years ago. I mean, that doesn't seem like a long time, but the restaurant has changed so much since then.
0: Yeah, Estella is one of those restaurants that I feel like has a true, like almost cult following in New York. Like yeah, people fucking love Estella. <laughs> yeah,
2: but I think coming from restaurants, it did make me – you know, the joy of working in restaurants is that, you know, um, if you're working on the line, someone is doing the garmanger and prep during the day and you have all these access to different kind of ingredients and you're being, it's, it's definitely more elaborate than home cooking. So I think when I shifted to go into food media, I had to kind of eventually shift. But I think, you know, towards the last few years working in, in, in food media, my recipes have just gotten so easy and very few ingredients and less and less steps.
0: <laughs> and was that like a creative choice for you, or like a practical choice of like you think that's what needs to happen to make recipes more accessible?
2: Um, you know, I actually wrote about this a while back, and was it was part of this, a larger subject matter uh, an essay I wrote uh, about uh, f- sexuality and my ethnicity and how they intersect with food. Uh, but it was actually talking about how like the struggle I had working in food media, specifically when I was uh, started off at Bon Appetit, because I feel like my recipes were a little bit elaborate and I really wanted to kind of focus on regional foods and specific dishes. I don't think there was as much of a audience as there is now. Like things have changed so much for the better. People really are that much more curious uh, and willing to kind of take a few more steps or kind of go to a different market, uh, to find a specific ingredient. Uh, but I think I shifted in the sense that, uh, I wanted to really, I had to really ask myself, what is the food that I want to cook at home and mm-hmm. how at the end of the day, I could develop my goal as a, as a recipe developer, mm-hmm. for people to make the recipes.
0: Right. And of course.
2: If people, You could develop the best recipe, but if people aren't making it and there's something, you know, you got to kind of work on that. So I find that people are willing to maybe buy a lot of ingredients, but the steps need to be really short or the steps need to be, um, they could be long, but then the ingredients seem to be very
0: short. They can't do both. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And I think that's, pardon me. I think that's so interesting, like um, kind of what you were talking about, like, I'm sure there's such a pressure when you're coming to like a like a, a place where you're now expected to create like food media to be consumed by the masses and you have like a specific cultural background that you're coming to it from and there's this balance i'm sure you have to kind of walk of like bringing that culture, your cultural background to it and your perspective to it but then like somehow making it like palatable and packageable and like like commercialized and those almost seem like idiosyncratic
2: yeah well i think like i definitely would never describe myself as someone who uh, is an Iranian cook or I am Iranian and I am a cook, but I, my recipes are certainly not just a sure. yeah, yeah. But when I, when I did try to present uh, recipes uh, th- that were Iranian, I tried to provide as much context as possible. Um, yeah. I felt like that was very important. I think, you, you, you know, it's, you can't really skip the steps or try to do a riff on a dish. Um, if you're not presenting the kind of given the context of what the origin is
0: yeah and i think that the i was thinking about that when you were just talking about kind of wanting to like showcase food in that way where i think a lot of times people will critique food for being inauthentic or inaccurate but it comes from it like i oftentimes see that coming from people who also aren't of the culture the food coming comes from and it's sort of this more elitist thing of being like no you have to go to this special place and get this special ingredient or fly to this country and eat it here instead of like explaining the context and the history of like why the dish is done this way and what different things bring to it. And that is like, you know, cause like information is in theory should be free. Yes. It's and like context should be free. It's not about necessarily like going to the place. It's not necessarily about like getting this very specific expensive ingredient. It's more about like learning like, the ide- ideology behind it. Exactly. Agreed. Th- yeah. And I think that's important to kind of disseminate that out. I think that's like, I feel like that ties into like a lot of like what Dan was talking about on his episode Um, a lot about like the similar thing of like wanting his food to feel accessible and not like judging people for like their access to certain ingredients or access to certain resources to make food because it shouldn't be like just because you live in i don't know some town in the middle of oklahoma that you can't cook iranian food because you don't have access to certain things you know what i mean it's like there should be that sort of context exactly
2: and i think like cultures, uh, are constantly evolving and those dishes of those cultures, they're constantly, they're evolving as well. I mean, I can think of certain Iranian dishes that are very, you know, they're essential to the cuisine, but if you go back hundreds of years, I mean, it's a completely different dish, the way it looked, the different meat, um, but I can go on and on.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Was, so when you were in, when you were going to NYU, being an NYU boy and also working in restaurants, like, what was that like socially? Did you kind of have like two, like, were you were you more like I restaurant was- friends or NYU I friends?
2: I was <laughs> in trouble. I was like, I was a riot. Um, I think I just was, like, I was doing well in school. My professors loved me. But at the same time, I... What were you studying? I was studying uh, food studies and cultural anthropology.
0: Oh, okay, cool. So it was all tied in. It's not like you were like a Tish major. No, no,
2: no, no, no. I do love like film and all that, but no, I, um, but I think, you know, I had a pretty, I had a pretty good social life. I like went out. I was, God knows, I feel like I dated half the city back then. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, no, it was, I was also just like, it's, I feel like obviously the pandemic has had an effect on all of us. In that sense but like i still like i get a lot of energy from being in the city i'm a city boy yeah. through and through like I, I love being in nature i love kind of the ocean mountains but like i am a city boy and if i'm away from the city for too long like <clears throat> it hurts and so back then i was just eating at every restaurant that i could afford because as soon as i moved to new york i got a job Uh, within two weeks so and i i i I don't come from money so i was like very much just working and eating working and eating um and going out and using my fake id and
0: (laughs) i know same like my first i moved here when i was 21 and it was like very much the same of like just going to restaurants i could not afford but like needing to and like going to bars i could not afford but like needing to to see them and experience them because i was like i can't just i can't not
2: I feel like we both have similar nostalgia about the city. I mean, you're from
0: Vermont, right? Yes, I am.
2: And I mean, I mean, you had grew up close from proximity to New York, but I think how old are you? Twenty nine. Okay, so I'm a little bit older than you, but like I think not much so. But I think we both have this nostalgia of like New York growing up. It was like the early aughts and. I think it was, what episode I was listening, I listened to, I think it was the Sushin Park and just like the TRL yeah. era and- you no know, like, that Sushin, yeah. Yes, I was like, that I was always watching. I was like, I need to get to New York. like I need to get out of this state. And I feel like it was like the Miss Shapes era. Do you know? Do you remember Miss Shapes?
0: I feel, it's like my brain knows, is like holding a place for it, but I can't fill it. What What is it?
2: Miss Shapes was like, they- there were I guess like these party promoters and this was again like the only way it was documented was like they would throw these parties mischief's party and there was this music and sometimes celebrity would come and people would just like be posing against the wall. That. And it was like these this grid of photos, again, pre social media, but it was like always these parties and like that particular kind of emo style of hair, and I was like, I have to get there,
0: I have to get to New York. It was like it was like th- that's the thing because it was like it was food, it was partying, it was also being fucking gay. Like yeah. that's like I think what it was was like wanting to go to New York and be like so gay. Like <laughs> I, I mean, Bay Area is
2: pretty pretty fucking gay.
0: Well, yeah, but I for knew sure.
2: that I was like I think I I think I like that. I want that that kind of.
0: <laughs> you were like in the Castro, being like, so I'm actually an East Coast guy. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> no but i think it's like that's what it was like i had just spent so much energy wanting to be feeling like i was in it right like i wanted to be like part of it and like at the at the parties at the restaurants at the bars and then like at some point you realize that there is a little bit of an illusion to that like that doesn't necessarily fully exist all the time and most of the time it doesn't occasionally it is like there are those nights where you're like i'm at the spot you know what i mean
2: yeah you feel it i know it
0: you feel it but you can't (sighs) There's no, I don't think there's any true like math or alchemy. There's alchemy to it. Like, it's like, you can't fully predict what night's going to be the night where you're like, wait, this is the spot. We found it. We did it. We got here. Like, it just has to happen. And it's like a really magical thing when it does.
2: I mean, there was a time, and maybe this is saying too much, and I really probably shouldn't say this, but like. You can
0: edit if it's too bad, but I trust you.
2: There was a time where, oh my God, I would go out and there, I remember the parties. I remember the name of the parties. It was like Tuesday, I would go out. Wednesday I would go out, Thursday I would go out, Friday, I would maybe take a break because I feel like there was just like cheesy parties happening on Friday. Saturday and even Sunday. So it really like Monday and Friday I wouldn't go out. I was going out all that time and I came out alive.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You kind of I think that if you have that hunger in you, you kind of have to do it like that for a minute to sort of like prove to your brain like like you have to like fully explore it to then prove to your brain like okay you saw it all now you know what it is so now you can like skip it some nights you know
2: exactly seeing it and also i feel like when i'm talking about i'm referring to like my early 20s so it wasn't like i had a comfortable great setup my living situation so it's like well of course i wanted to be out it's like well that's
0: the other thing it's like yeah i have like three roommates and there's no room in this like this apartment's dark
2: exactly (laughs) i didn't have a window for a period of time so i
0: was like yeah you're like get me out of the fucking house yes (laughs) um what does going like if you were to plan a going out night like a night to go out to now Mm -hmm. wow that sentence was harder for me than it should have been (laughs) if you were to plan a night out now (laughs) what would it look like for you
2: uh i feel like i'm planning one right now and uh it's uh bringing together three of my friends that i haven't seen in a minute and doing like a full-blown like indulgent dinner and too many bottles of wine and (sighs) I just want a long,
0: say that again, you pick the location.
2: I, t- I feel like I typically pick the location because I, I love restaurants and I feel like I keep up to date and that was definitely part of what I did at uh, my previous job. And, um, and I'm happy to take the lead, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I some, it depends. Like sometimes it's like a new restaurant because that I want to check out. Sometimes it's like an old school institutional place. I don't even need to think about I mean yeah. one of the best nights I had recently was I reunited with uh two of my past roommates who um they're both from France but they they were happened to be here and it was actually a time when I lived I had six roommates, so we all reunited and we went out and we just like went and just had drinks, went to uh have you been to Wildair? Uh yes. So we basically went to Wilder, and which is an incredible restaurant. Fabian and Jeremiah—they are my favorite people. I love them. Big shout out to them. Um, and we just just had bottles of wine and so much food. And I think we closed that, yeah. spot, which is—I don't typically do that at this point, but it was just so much fun and nostalgia, and just easy. we could just we have a lot of memories, so it was very easy to make fun of each other.
0: That's gorgeous. That's really gorgeous like a big group reuniting and parking it yes and i also really respect it's a rare move but doing the full night out at a restaurant
2: yes not moving to a
0: bar after if it's clear that they don't need the table back and you can just like park it yes that's like one of the rarer moves that is truly heaven truly heaven
2: rare in new york but when you're able to it is so comfortable and especially i think like that restaurant it's it's a small restaurant and it's, it's a tight space, but, um, the, the food it's small plates. So we just kept on, you know, ordering things and ordering more things and was, yeah. like, the pacing. And it just, it was such a the vibe.
0: Cause you can also, if you know you're doing it, it's the kind of thing where you're like, there's no rush. Let's order three things, exactly. you know? And then like in 10 minutes when we're hungry, order more. It's like, that's like if i if heaven's real that's my it'll just be me at a table for eternity with friends and we just keep ordering shit like that's all it'll be exactly
2: i do feel like now in this kind of world of a freelance life i am very into the kind of long lazy lunch um i'm also very much for that
0: yeah a long lunch a lunch that meanders into like a light dinner like if you have like a that's that's another that's a full heaven to me
2: how long have you been in New York now? You are uh, eight, eight years.
0: Coming up on eight, yeah.
2: And you're in Brooklyn.
0: And I'm in Brooklyn. I was in Manhattan for the first three, and I've been in Brooklyn for five.
2: And how much do you love
0: it? Like Brooklyn versus Manhattan or yeah, New Just York?
2: like New York. Like this is home. So this it's home. Is, it's this home.
0: home. It's home. Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously being like an actor and a comedian it's like the other people are like do you want to move to LA and I'm like there's what was I doing what was I doing in New York well you heard did you listen to Molly's episode Molly basically had a gun to my head I love her so
2: much you know what the thing is she's my sister I I can't wait I'm going to give her so many kisses next time in LA the truth is you know she did New York she loves LA she 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 is LA she it it makes complete sense energetically
0: it clicks it makes sense for her
2: i love california i was born there it has influenced me in so many ways but this is home i breathe easier here than anywhere else
0: i'm 100 percent the same and i know it most it's like i know it like cognitively i know it right now saying like sitting here with you i'm like literally in nomad talking to you i know i love new york but the way i really fucking know is when i'm away and i'm like day five i'm like i start to get the itch even if i'm like in Europe honestly maybe in Europe it's like day nine I'm like I need okay. to get back to New York okay. it like really feel I feel it I'm like and maybe you could call it an addiction but I'm, I don't care it's it's home it's no, deeply home.
2: I want that I want that rush I want that inspiration I mean even in the coldest days and it, it's gray like today actually I'm looking out my window and it's just, gnarly
0: out today oh yeah
2: but I'm like oh I I I love this city um yeah it's
0: yeah I mean it's like the power of a walk in new york like the power of just going on a walk for me is like everything if i'm just in a bad mood if i'm feeling blah if i feel like i don't especially now that i'm like you like i'm freelance and it's like ooh, there's a lot of lack of structure which leads to like you know like you can get like depressed or bored real quick it's like just a simple walk can really change the game yes definitely
2: i just went and I right love- before this and i was like uh, oh, i should make a salad and i was like uh, oh, i'm gonna just buy a bagel so I, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know I got pizza on the way here. It was really good. Um, I'm curious, as someone who is like the restaurant picker, was a restaurant like it's part of your job? Like, I want to talk spots. Like, what are the places you love? I like, have let's get it
2: hard, core I mean, I I know a lot of people who like who are hardcore. I feel like I am. I'm hardcore with like not just with the picks, but like if I'm traveling with just. Lists. I mean, you have an
0: itinerary, and it's just like the restaurants oh, to go to. I
2: have like, well, restaurants and like anything else you could imagine. But like, any city I've been to, I am just do hardcore research, and then I just make a list, and then I break down the neighborhoods. Oh my god, I feel like I'm giving, I'm like showing my true self. Um, and I just populate it on Google Maps. So like, it's very Virgo of you.
0: Is there Virgo in your chart? I, there
2: is Virgo in me. <laughs> there is Virgo. <laughs> yes i know i think people would probably think i'm more of a virgo but i don't i i I definitely feel connected to a sag i don't like being
0: no i would say you read sag i get that but there's definitely a virgo moon moment or virgo rising something there.
2: um but spots i mean uh new york i got you covered you tell you you want to know new
0: york yeah let's talk new york i mean i have the same thing
2: okay um spots i mean for me i think it's a few things I have my regular spots that I love. Um, I just moved to Brooklyn a, a few months ago. So even though I knew this neighborhood, I'm more settling in and going to yeah. spots. So like I'm in Brooklyn Heights. Um, I'm going to Clark's Diner, Shelsky's. Obviously Cheers. I've been going to Sahadi's and Damascus for years. Um, places that I really love and always will. Um, I love Hearts. You know, I love the whole adore thing. hearts. They're amazing. Everything they do is incredible.
0: Um, Shout out to Pat, the GM of Hearts. He's the best. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, I love, I love Estella. I love Cafe Ultra. Basically, all the restaurants in the Matterhouse Group. Um, Lodi, which just opened up uh, in Rockefeller Center. Um, yeah, my
0: friend's the beverage director of that group. Stacy, she's amazing. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. I've been dying to try Lodi. Oh, dying. So
2: chic. Um i love second avenue deli that's where i go and get my pastrami
0: oh gorge
2: old school i mean i know people have their own picks for where to go to pastrami i won't name other spots but like second <laughs> avenue deli is my place um i've always loved born Greengrass, uptown i mean if i happen to be up there for breakfast um where else um i eat a lot a lot of Chinese food it's my favorite food so okay I'm like I try to kind of probably I'm eating it once a week uh whether that's like baked goods like uh pork buns at Miley Miley Wa Bark uh, uh, I can't even speak Miley Wa Bakery um where else I'm thinking I want to give you all the spots um spicy village um in the lower east side their tomato and egg humai is in Incredible! My favorite vegetarian dish in all out. of Manhattan. Uh, Whoa, that's a good claim. Yeah, it's my favorite vegetarian dish. Um, just like the scrambled tomato egg with a little bit of soy and hand-pulled noodles. Um, uh, Pacificon is my favorite dim sum place in Sunset Park. Uh, Dumpling Galaxy in Flushings.
0: Um, you really do the work. This is a like, this is like a oh, thorough. Oh, no, I'm, I'm hardcore.
2: Thai Diner is Thai Diner and Dame are probably two of my like favorite newish restaurants.
0: Thai Diner. Those Dame are my, my top two to try. Those are literally my top two to try okay. Dame and Thai Diner. Did go to
2: Uncle Boone's, RIP?
0: Um, I did go to Uncle Boone's and it was incredible. Okay,
2: so Thai Diner is the sister restaurant and it opened yeah. just before the pandemic and it is there's like a little bit of overlap that with uncle Boone's uh, some dishes that with a little bit of a riff, but everything they have is so delicious. Their yeah. um, their stuffed cabbage is amazing. Um, and then, uh, cherries on top in Brooklyn is a very cute kind of small wine bar that opened up a while ago. Um, Dr. Clark is so, has like the chicest interior,
0: uh, Wait, I don't know this. Dr.
2: Clark opened on um, Bayard, I believe, in uh, Chinatown. And um, the interior interior was done by this New York firm called Green River Project. And it's so cheap. I'm going to say okay. after. Um, you have to go there. Um, and Dame, I love. I mean, I had almost every single thing on the menu and every single thing was that.
0: I know. I've heard Dame is insane. I'm ever since I stopped working in Manhattan. I'm really bad about coming into Manhattan to go to restaurants because I'm like in Brooklyn. and There's so many good options there, and so I need to get I need to get better about it. That's been my biggest issue. But I know Patricia from when I used to work at Kindred, and she was helping out at um, Redgate. Do you know Redgate yeah, Bakery? She was helping out there when Dame was still a pop up, and so I would I like know her, and she's like the best. And I just still haven't gotten over there, and it's bad.
2: I um I feel like I. It's. It, I want to be going to a lot of new spots, but then I also find myself just going to... It's
0: things. the eternal struggle. So
2: easy. I don't need to think about... Um, uh,
0: no. I went like to- your neighborhood alone and like over by you has like, I can think of like five restaurants that I'm like, I would just happily go to a million, oh, million times. Here. Colony. Oh, obsessed okay. yeah. with Colony. And I went to Pips, which is their new spot next door and enjoyed that a lot. Um, a little like south of you, but Popina, like over. Yes. Do you know Popina? Yes, of course. I, I went to Popina on Monday and had. I'm not exaggerating. I think one of the top five dishes I've had in a restaurant in the past <laughs> three years.
2: It was <laughs> what?
0: it was a it was a bruschetta bruschetta in brodo. So it was a oh. like a thick cut bruschetta toast with like burrata and arugula and prosciutto and then in a clam broth Ugh. with whole clams like out of the shell and it so and they literally fill the bowl with the broth and then just like drop it in so like the bread is saturated with this like seafoody salty broth like
2: a little bit crunchy on top still well
0: the, the crust is still hard Ugh. and then you like cut through it and it's like silky and velvety and crunchy and fatty and salty i was like screaming at the bar like they i was like like <laughs> like making other tables uncomfortable i was like losing my fucking mind over I this dish
2: love sounds so good i i've been going to hibino which is a very like neighborhood japanese spot um that's very good it's like a gem around here and then obviously like you forgot to mention long island bar
0: well I, yeah have you been a yeah i've been to long island bar multiple times i usually do long island bar as a pre-drink to colony that's like my yeah. favorite move is yeah. getting like a like a martini or something at long island bar and then walking over or going to long island bar for the, the cheese curds the wisconsin cheese curds yes. which you can't do before colony because then you'll but no, die no.
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah and the burger at long island bar is phenomenal too so good yeah i love it over there and i also really like elsa the cocktail is oh,
2: really good yeah yeah it's very good
0: fine they used and they, their sister Ramona which is in Greenpoint I think is still open as well mm-hmm. they used they used to have a cocktail on that menu that had like a rye syrup in it that literally just tastes like you were drinking rye bread in a glass right. it was so fucking good
2: is there anything where it's like oh I can't get into that or uh, any ingredient or like things that you haven't you're not a fan of
0: I okay. So my two things is I had an allergic reaction to shrimp once, so I'm technically not supposed to eat shrimp. But all other shellfish is fine, and one of my favorite categories of food. Bless. So that's my only true dietary restriction. And then I do have the thing, and it's my least favorite thing about myself. I have the thing where cilantro tastes like soap, like hardcore. No, it's it's I hate it about myself. I literally, Andy, I could if I could change anything about myself, like. (laughs)
2: You know what? I appreciate this so much because one, like you're, you're frustrated by it. Like, you know, you know that cilantro is amazing, but it's tastes like so. And I guess right now I'm feeling it so much because <laughs> my boyfriend has the same thing. No. He's just like, just like, I taste bad. And I'm like, no, it tastes bad to you, but it's like, I can't have you prevent me from eating cilantro. Um,
0: yeah, my boyfriend also fucking loves cilantro and it's hard. And it's like if I can if it's like a little bit in a dish, I've like trained myself to just kind of like ignore it. If it's like predominant, it's like, "Oh, I really can't get past this. It sucks." Yeah, no. And what's crazy is like I also want to know what cilantro tastes like. Like everyone's like it tastes so good and I don't fucking know what it tastes like.
2: No, I I I I really can't think of there's very few things. Like I definitely know there's certain flavors when they're mixed together I'm not a fan of. But ingredient-wise, I wouldn't say there's anything that really... mm, One thing that stands out. But otherwise...
0: wait, What's the one thing?
2: um, I don't love raw bell peppers.
0: That's a common one, too. I almost wonder if there's a genetic thing to that. Because I like them, but I feel like a lot of people have a very intense resistance to that.
2: Well, look. Give me a red bell pepper. Like, scorch the... Fuck out of it. Make it yeah. blackened outside. Remove the skin until it's like jammy and sweet and silky. Just give that to me. Put it on a salad. Pulse it. Make a rom- romesco. Have it saucy. Great, but like a raw bell pepper, I'm just like, mm. it's just not
0: my Wow, it's that intense for you.
2: I just um, it's I don't understand. I just, but that's just the only thing I feel like I've said that before, and people have gotten so upset. I'm like, oh my god. Give me the one ingredient <laughs>
0: that
2: I can't. Stay. Yeah.
0: My other thing that I would say I typically don't, I often, I'm very, I'm wary of like a really cream based sauce, like a tr- like an old school, like Alfredo is not usually my vibe, mm. but a vodka sauce I'll do mm-hmm. happily. So I, it's not like cream based sauce.
2: I'm right there with you. I'm kind of like, rarely do I want a cream based sauce, um, I want like I'm happy for a sauce to be finished with cream or, but I'm gonna Absolutely. prefer. But I, I don't want butter. I just want butter. I would rather take butter over.
0: Butter yeah, butter the time. I feel the same way. Yeah, it's like never. I'm also like I always lean. I'm if I'm like at an Italian spot, like I'm always gonna lean towards a tomato base yes. over a cream base yeah. every time. But that's just me personally. Yes. Okay. Those are my only hard and fast things, though. Is like shrimp and cilantro. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I kind of want to try shrimp again because it was five years, and I was only in the hospital for like five minutes. So
2: I I, I had an allergic reaction to like pineapple, but I still eat pineapple. But generally speaking, like here and there, some some kind of tropical fruit I react to, but I still go with it. I can't. Yeah,
0: the thing is, shrimp is easily my least favorite of shellfish. Like, I'm not excited by a shrimp in the same way I'm excited by like a clam or like a lobster or a crab, personally. You look offended.
2: <laughs> I guess, like, I mean, shrimp isn't my favorite, but it's definitely up there. I'll say this. My – I love clams. Like, I want – clams is probably my favorite, like, any kind
0: of – linguine clams is probably my favorite. is like, a top-tier food to me. Uh, I could have – The clam fucking toasted hearts is Just sexual. Iconic. It's iconic.
2: <laughs> and whether it's, like, manila, little neck, um – um uh, cherry so whatever kind of variety. Love clams. Um and I mean shrimp I love too. Like I want I want like to like suck the shrimp
0: heads like i do that every single time like I'm, i know, honestly this is why i haven't gone to thai diner is because i don't want to deal with having a shrimp allergy there like i'm anxious to like sit down and be like hey i'm so excited to be here i respect this menu so much i'm allergic to one of the most popular ingredients in this cuisine like that no, is true but they're not gonna
2: I, like i i know for a fact there's definitely a lot of dishes that you know they don't use shrimp whether it's fresh or dried um i mean i would say i love crab I really adore love crab i will say that lobster, uh, sometimes I can get a little bit, like, uh, I think it's a touch overrated. I would take crab over lobster. Um.
0: Okay, interesting. A lobster pasta to me, or, like, a lobster roll is just, like, I'm always going to be happy. Hot or, cold. hot or cold. Roll? Yeah. A hot, hot lobster or cold.
2: Cold. 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 cold.
0: cold. Same. same, same. Oh, okay, cool. I was really nervous, because I have one friend that's hot, and we get in fights about it.
2: I'm still I mean, getting too much. Much. I, want, I want, like, you know, I want to like lightly toss with some mayonnaise and a little bit of like celery leaf and
0: and no That's lobster. exactly it. Yeah, I don't
2: need like butter on my lobster. It's already kind of buttery enough.
0: Yeah, I, I'm hardcore on the cold front. That's like my heart mm-hmm. and husband. Okay, so what are, let's talk, and then in terms of drinking, what are you into?
2: Um, I love lots of wine, plenty Great. of natural wine. Um, I love, I'm a tequila mezcal guy. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't always the case. I was definitely someone who drank a lot. I liked gin before. Um, now That's I, Now I now I don't touch gin at all. For some reason, I just never do.
0: Interesting. I started tequila and moved to gin. I think that. Week. I think
2: I drank too much gin, and now I'm like <laughs> sensitive to it. It also gin sneaks up on you. And also, I've heard this by many people. It never did this effect on me. At l- I never was a. I never was a um but gin like brings out the dark side have you heard that before
0: i've heard that as well i don't have that issue personally um like a dry gin martini is my favorite drink so i feel like i've if a gin was gonna bring out the dark side of me it would have done it by now but
2: (laughs) doing tequila mezcal or i will do this this is so like and maybe not okay to some people, some hardcore cocktail people, but like again, do what feels right and
0: what brings 100%. you. 100.
2: Um, I do a vo- a dry light, a, a dry, a little dirty martini on the rocks with a, that's, op- a twist. Because there's I, nothing
0: wrong with that. Wait, think, why are
2: people mad at you for that? It's like oh, you can't have a martini on the rocks; it has to be up. And I'm like, oh, God,
0: that's no, not true. <laughs> no,
2: no, it's like I, I basically am looking for a vodka on the rocks with, like, a shit ton of olives and a lemon. Like, that's basically what I want. Great. Um, Or, I mean, mezcal is, I, I love it so much, and tequila.
0: Yeah, mezcal is incredible. Yeah. People say that about tequila, too, though like, tequila makes you angry. I really find any of that stuff, I feel like, not to be, like, condescending, but I find any of that, I'm like, are we in high school? Like, if we're talking about, like, you can't blame your mood and behavior on, like, the type of alcohol you're drinking. It's all alcohol, and I won't hear anything
2: otherwise. 100%. I think, like... I, if anything, um, it just makes me a little happier. I'm just, I'm like, it, like, it gives me a little, yeah. up. it's like a little upper whenever I'm drinking.
0: Yeah. Drink. It's definitely, I get a little boost, but yeah. I'm like, if you're, if, I'm like, if someone's like, if you're, like, if you're crying every time you drink, I don't think that's the alcohol's fault. No, I think there's something wrong, Like something wrong with you. That's like
2: internal. That's okay. Gotta work. Like, let's like, let's talk about it. Let's like, you know.
0: A hundred percent. But, um. Like if you're fighting with your boyfriend to the point of tears, every time you drink, that's not the booze's fault. Like I don't want to,
2: no, 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 no,
0: um, do you have, are you a bar person or are you like, if you're going out, it's per, usually restaurants.
2: You know, I was, I'll go. Yes. I, I'm a bar person. If there is food involved, I feel like, but I, yeah. I will, I, the, oh, before I used to go to bars a lot more often now, less so.
0: Um, but, like, there's a... At 8 to 11 pivot from 11 to... That's what that is, to 11 to 4 pivot. Well, the
2: thing is, I never... Even when I went out... God, I can't believe it. Like, we're talking not about restaurants and just going out, but whatever. We're going out. Um, I wouldn't go to bars. I would just go to, like... I just would want to go to dance parties. That's the thing. Well, yeah. So, like, the bars were, like... Yeah, the 10, 11 o'clock, and then go out. But um, there is a new bar I want to check out. Um, It's called... I think it's called the nines where is it um it's i think like above i don't even i think it's above acme restaurant i think it's above maybe not but i think i know it's the same restaurant group as that but it's actually a piano bar which is not a, at all like something that i go for um but it looks so cool inside and the food menu looks great um so i'll check that out
0: Gorge, I'm so interested. I want to check it out.
2: The nines.
0: What is your method for, as someone who's like avidly e- exploring restaurants all the time, like what is your, is it like Instagram that you're using to find places? Is it just by like working in the industry and knowing people?
2: Um, I, I would say it's a, it's a combo. I feel like I definitely have a few people that I trust in the kind of food media world of sorts, or not even food media, but in the food world. Um, yeah. Uh, that, you know, they have great tastes. And so they'll tell me, like, oh, I went here or I went there or, like, we both went to the same place and uh, we'll say, like, what we liked and what we didn't like. Um, Instagram actually is kind of a big help. I do have, like, a folder. Oh, God, I feel like I, the Virgo really is coming up. But, like, I have a folder of, like, <laughs> oh, of <course> not. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, go here. But I I, I think, you know what, though? I think it's part of it is, like, me as a, I'm a lover of food and cooking, but I also think it's the kind of editor in me and working in that world and loving the research. Like I think so much when you work in the magazine world, like I did, um, you're always looking for what's new and what's next constantly, yeah. whatever it is, whether it's in food, fashion, music, film, whatever it is. And so I think mm-hmm. that is still very much, in me and where i'm always looking for like oh what are the new spots what are the new spots what are the new spots
0: yeah yeah that makes i mean and that is what's always the hardest thing is like balancing trying to find the new spots and wanting to still go to like your your loves it's like a constant it's a constant struggle to not eat in restaurants seven nights a week to be honest
2: i (laughs) I mean i i feel like i was cooking so much peak pandemic and now yeah all right maybe it's like it's it's a mix and I also just like finished writing my first cookbook. So,
0: congrats. Oh, that's you. huge.
2: Yes. And so, that I feel like I just was in like hardcore cooking and developing recipes mode. Um, and so, I feel like it's like my treat to kind of just like not have to be in that full
0: mode. You, you earned it, babe. That's that <laughs> you earned some restaurant hours for sure.
2: Yeah. I feel like. Uh, my friend's like, what do you want to do? Like, you just finished the book. And I was like, I just want to eat at restaurants. Like, I need, I just am craving that.
0: Yeah, between the having to cook, like, the same dish over and over and do the dishes every time, I can't imagine. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah,
2: over and over and over. But I'm very excited. Comes out April 26th. Everybody, please pre-order. It makes a huge difference. That's-
0: oh, I will pre-order it the second we get off this call. Um. Okay, wait. Here's a question that just came in my mind. As someone who just wrote a cookbook. Is there like an ingredient or a couple ingredients that you feel like are like the undersung like thing that is like you find incredibly useful or like a like something in cooking that you're like this is a thing that I love using that you don't think gets like the shine it deserves?
2: Um, <clears throat> that's such a good question, and I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I uh, so the thing that came to mind, the things that came to mind are um, it's more technical than necess- than like ingredient per se. Uh. Um, so I would say like certain things are like, uh, combining (sighs) butter and oil, like doing that combination when you're cooking things really kind of does something magical. Like I see, I find myself adding a a tablespoon of butter to oil when I'm cooking down onions, like, and it just like makes it sizzled and jammy and brown, but also that much more like unctuous. Um, Yeah.
0: Because you get the richness of the butter, but doesn't the oil kind of insulate the butter from, like, overbrowning? Is that the exactly, idea? Exactly, exactly. That's, That's gorgeous.
2: Good. gold star. Um, and then <laughs> uh, I like combining two different types of acids. So I find myself, like, when I'm making a dressing or a vinaigrette, or I find that I'm, like, using vinegar, but then I'm using, like, a little bit of lemon juice or lemon zest. <sighs> and you get that, like, extreme tart acidity from the lemon juice. But then you kind of get this kind of, depending on the vinegar, this like earthy note from the vinegar. And it makes it that much more interesting. And you don't really need to do that much else besides like add some salt, pepper, oil. And then if you want, like add a shallot or not, add a garlic or not, mustard or not. But really, I think the combination of the two vinegars makes it much more exciting. Um, I love acidic
0: food. I'm constantly having heartburn and I just don't go to the doctor because I know they're going to tell me to like stop eating acidic foods and I don't want to hear it.
2: I am like... I mean, I do love like salt and fatty foods, but I would say like the dominating flavor in so much of my food is acid. Like I use so much acidity in my food. Um, Yeah. And I'd say the two other things that just came to mind was I love black pepper. I think like just like your basic black pepper is so good. I think it just needs to be... Uh, freshly ground ground black pepper and you want to keep it coarse that's the thing like you don't want pre-ground pepper I think it makes a big difference and I think like use a lot of it and I want to like I find that I am using pepper in my cooking like actually like cooking it in the oil and activating it and sizzling it but also finishing my food and it just um, I love that flavor and then the other thing that people probably wouldn't think so much about my food but I do love it onion powder i love onion powder
0: okay wait i have questions about this because i was thinking about this recently like i don't i genuinely don't know this this is just me using as you as like a food knowledge resource at this point but like using like fresh onion or fresh garlic versus like a garlic powder or an onion powder like what is in terms like different like what is the difference in terms of how that's going to express in the food obviously other than the fact that you're gonna have like pieces of garlic or onion
2: yes so obviously onion powder garlic powder it is the uh, you're taking an onion and it's dried out and then you're pulverizing yeah. it until it's a powder. And then you need to kind of activate it by ideally like heating it up, but you could just mm-hmm. add, like sour cream and make um, sour cream and onion dip. Um, but I find that...
0: There's nothing wrong with that. Let's just be clear. nothing a, not
2: wrong with that. Oh no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I find myself doing that a lot these days. Um, but... I, the actual onion, you're introducing water, uh, caramelization. Uh, yeah. Kind of the actual caramelization that's not happening with something that's already dried. Um, and it acts; it's a stronger base foundation to whatever you are cooking, whatever that dish may be, whether it's a soup, a stew, yeah.
0: So, what are you? What is it about onion powder that you're finding that you really love?
2: It's a concentrated, um, concentrated sweet. Uh, This word is used a lot, but like uh, um, umami flavor, but it does give things like, I will, I find myself like adding onion powder to onions to, if I like don't have enough something to just make it more, uh, I almost has like a effect of just how tomato paste um, has an effect, like a little bit goes a long way in the sense that it makes things taste like they've been cooking for a long amount of time. A little bit of onion powder, I feel like does the same thing.
0: So that mm-hmm. analogy makes a lot of sense to me. That makes a lot of sense. I'm gonna steal that.
2: Yes, take it, take it.
0: Well, I guess if I pay for your cookbook, that's not stealing. It. I, was, that's I was
2: gonna say, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of the kind of that kind of tidbit geeky and <laughs> um, uh, yeah. there's definitely plenty of like geeky information in the book.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, this went by so quick. I cannot believe it. Like we. <laughs> That was like, went by in like a second. This was so perfect. If you had to, I guess as like a, as a certified New York City restaurant expert, like, is there like shout out a couple places and you've listed so many places, but like, if there was like, if someone was like, I I'm in New York for one night and I want to get one, I have to eat one dish. Like what would be the dish? Like go try oh, it. Oh
2: my God. That is painful. That is so hard. <laughs> that is so hard because I, I like always refuse to answer anything like that. But no. I mean, yeah. Um I
0: would say okay, rather uh, than- how about No, sorry, you go. Okay.
2: So my idea was to um to actually like not go to one restaurant and just go to flushing. Like that's would be like one oh, yes, thing. It's like just do like a hardcore tour and stopping everywhere. If you had to pick one restaurant, I mean I, uh, I don't know. Well,
0: that's why I was gonna change the question to be like, what if someone said like on a date today, today, where it's like gross and rainy and cold? Like, what would be the thing you would want to eat today? Because mm-hmm. like you said, you're right. There's too many variables to be like one dish to eat.
2: I would go to Second Avenue Deli and I would have like, um, like and an, hopefully with someone else, everything or not someone, all on your own, it's fine. Everything bagel, uh, scallion, uh, cream cheese, lox. Get um uh get some roll mops if you're into that which i love with a little bit of
0: Wait, i don't know what that is a roll
2: mop is a pickled herring stuffed with onions rolled up and then a little bit of cream sauce do that um and then go a further um, where am i further west go up and down lexington eat all the indian food <coughs> and then go to Chinatown go to Miley while eat the baked goods if you want to have like a really nice restaurant i mean I think you should go to, I love Cafe Altro. I really do think it's such an incredible restaurant.
0: Those restaurants in that group do just have like a cult following people. They know, they know what they're doing and people fucking.
2: I think from like everything from the appearance, the design, the restaurant, the menu, everything to me is like, it's very, I mean, I also feel like Ignacio Matos is is someone I call a mentor. So for sure it's definitely shaped the way I
0: cook incredible well thank you so much for doing the show congrats on the cookbook um if you need to try a place and are looking for someone hit me up i'm happy to try any restaurant anytime (laughs) perfect thank you so much for listening to going out with jake cornell if you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way so thank you and now for some credits Going Out with Jay Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seasai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible.